Good morning. I have an announcement here to make before we start this morning the message. Uh, I want to make sure it's crystal clear. We've been talking about uh, the building committee and some uh, exciting things coming up. And uh, so on the back table, there's an announcement about that. But I do want to let you know that next Sunday, following the service, there's going to be a uh, building project meeting for all the church members. So <clears throat> if you call yourself one of the church members here, this is your uh, family where you worship. Uh, we want to say stick around after church because we've got a special uh, meeting going on. It won't be that long. A great presentation. And this week in your emails, please check them. Uh, we'll put some more dates in there <clears throat> for what's coming up and what's going to happen uh, as far as this building uh, project and our next steps, okay? All right. Well, hey, you've heard it once. Get it twice. He is risen. Third time's a charm. Let me ask you this. Are we there yet? I mean, are, are we there? Have you ever heard that, parents? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Five minutes out of the driveway, right? Are we there yet? Almost, right? We've journeyed on this road to the cross the past few Sundays. It also included a special night this past Wednesday night. Some of you part, uh, partook in that. Uh, you came out to the ministry center. It was a time of looking back at the week of the crucifixion of Jesus. It was a very somber, it was a very humbling, a very hurtful week. It was a roller coaster of emotions is what it was. You, you had at the very beginning, Hosanna, Hosanna, and then days later it was crucify him, crucify him. What a roller coaster of emotions that was, that week. We witnessed events such as the anointing of the woman that poured the expensive perfume over the feet of Jesus. I want you to think through all these events that took place, the Last Supper. The time of urgent prayer in the garden, the betrayal, the arrest. We had trials, and then we had the deni denial, beatings, torture, mocking, and the crucifixion. And then finally, his death and, and burial. What an incredible week. The events, the emotions, lessons of love, obedience, and forgiveness that we've talked about through all that. And the road to the cross ended there, right? When Jesus hung on, and then they took him down off the cross. That's the road to the cross, and it ends there, right? It's hard to imagine how the disciples felt on that Saturday before Jesus' resurrection. You know, yesterday, it was just what? Normal day for many of us. Get up, go to a ball game, uh, clean house, travel somewhere, go shop, do something, you know, maybe you had to work. Just a normal day, right? What do you think it was like for the disciples on that Saturday morning? The day before his resurrection. They had just watched their Messiah, Son of God, crucified by the Romans. They'd seen him raise the dead. They saw him heal people. They saw him do all these miracles. They knew Jesus could come down off the cross, but why didn't he? Why did he just hang there? Why did he die? Why did they let him beat him brutally? If you can imagine the grief and the fear and the regret some of these disciples had. As that Saturday morning, they were in their homes. They were behind locked doors. We've all been there, right? Confusion often follows days of terrible tragedy. However, Right before his crucifixion, Jesus gave his disciples an important promise to focus on during the days to follow. He said this 
In John 16, 22, Jesus said this to his disciples, So you have sorrow now? I'll see you again. Then you'll rejoice. And no one, let me hear you say no one. No one can rob you of that joy. No one can rob you of that joy. And what does John 10, what does Jesus say in John 10? The thief comes to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. Satan would love to rob us of the joy, right? But Jesus said in John 16, further down the road, he goes, no one can rob you of the joy that's coming. Jesus knew his disciples would face difficulty. And he reminded them, listen, you need to hang on. You're going to be depressed. You're, but listen, you're going to rejoice later because no one can rob you of that joy. Not one person, not one Roman soldier, not one nail, not one thorn, uh, the crown of thorns. Nothing can rob you of that joy. When confusion sets in, you need to know that God has a plan. Listen carefully. Listen carefully. When confusion sets in, you need to know that God still has a plan. And that plan includes you. February 17th. A little over a month ago, I stood by my father's bedside. And just hours before dad passed away, my phone buzzed. I picked it out and I looked and it was a text from my son. And his text simply read this. My help comes from you. You're right here pulling me through. You carry my weakness, my sickness, my brokenness all on your shoulders. And I looked at that, and I, I knew exactly where it was from. There's a song by King and Country called Shoulders, and it goes like this. When confusion's my companion, and despair holds me for ransom, I will feel no fear. I know that you are near. When I'm caught deep in the valley with chaos for my companion, I'll find my comfort here because I know you are near. My help comes from you. You're right here pulling me through. You carry my weakness, my sickness, my brokenness all on your shoulders. Your shoulders. My help comes from you. You are my rest, my rescue. I don't have to see to believe you're lifting me up on your shoulders. Your shoulders. And I, and I found that song and I just played it for Dad. Because I needed to hear that. He carries me on his shoulders. When chaos is in my life and when confusion is in my life and pain's in my life, Who's there to carry me? My Savior. And in that moment, that part of the journey when confusion and pain hits, I needed to remember God's promises. You need to remember God's promises. These disciples, as they're locked behind closed doors on that Saturday morning, they needed to remember God's promises. Paul said, remember that Christ came as a servant to the Jews to show that God is true to the promises he made to his ancestors. Paul said later in 1 Corinthians, he said, for all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. All of his promises. God keeps his promises. Isn't that good to hear? For Jesus, this seemed like the worst road ever, the most horrible journey, the road trip that never ends, right? The road to the cross ended at the cross, right? The, we, the women, they lingered at the cross. The ones who were there, the ladies marrying them, they, they saw what happened at the cross. 
And they decided this is what we're going to do. We're going to get up and we're going to take spices with us and, and we're going we're to take that to the tomb and we're going to anoint his body again. Because they thought what? They thought he was dead. If you believe your Savior's alive, you don't carry a bunch of spices for a dead body. And you don't go back to a tomb to find somebody that's not going to be there. They figured he's dead. So they wondered, how are we going to move that huge stone? In the book of Mark, it says this. On the way, they were asking each other, who's going to roll away the stone from the entrance? They're asking each other that question. It's remarkable that they did not believe in his resurrection when he taught that truth repeatedly. In Matthew 16, 21, it says this. Now listen carefully to this. From then on, this is early Matthew, okay? From then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly. Look at the person next to you and tell them plainly. How plain can you get, right? This is vanilla. This is plain. This is simple. From that point on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, the leading priests, and the religious leaders. Hey, disciples. Hey, Peter, James, John. Hey, Thomas, listen. I've got to go to Jerusalem, and when I do, they're going to beat me. They're going to put me on trial. He goes on to say, too, that he would be killed, but on the third day he would raise from the dead. He was telling his disciples, can you imagine me coming in every day, every Sunday, telling you, hey, just want to let you know, this Jesus that we're all following, he's going to get beaten, he's going to be put on trial, he's going to be crucified. Three days later, but he's going to raise from the dead. I keep telling you, telling you, telling you, telling you, we keep worshiping, we see Jesus, okay? And then Jesus dies. And for some reason, everything that's been told to us, we just sort of let it go. Wait, wait, wait. Didn't he plainly tell us this was going to happen? Didn't he tell us on the third day he raised from the dead? Didn't he tell us that? Weren't we listening? No, we weren't listening because we were tweeting out something. We were texting. Oh, yeah, got you, Jesus. Three days. We're so preoccupied with so much going on, we forget the truth of promises from the words, the lips of Jesus Christ. Listen, if, you, if you're an NCAA basketball fan right now, you've heard often on the final NCAA tournament has been called what? The road to the final four, right? You see how it's the road to the final four and the road to the final four. Matter of fact, there's a series of commercials that have been uh, sort of embodied this whole journey. Charles Barkley, Spike Lee, and Samuel L. Jackson, they're in their car driving on the journey to the final four to Indianapolis. You see these commercials all the time, right? It's a journey, it's a journey, but guess what? In Indianapolis, outside the stadium where last night's Final Four was held and where tomorrow night's championship game will be held, there's a big sign that says this, the road ends here. The road ends here. This is it. Ends right here. And it does, because after tomorrow night, the season's over. Some of those seniors, they're graduating, they're moving on to other things. Some of the underclassmen, they'll come back next year. Some are going to go pro. Coaches are going to go home, think about next year. Fans go home, they move on to something else. The road ends here, right? Let me ask you this question again. But for us, did the road end at the cross? We've been taught the road to the cross, right? Did it end there? No. The road to the cross was just an abrupt stop. That's all. The moment in history when death would ultimately be defeated. But here's the deal. The road to the cross continues for those who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ. It continues for us. The journey keeps going. 
How often do you say, let me ask you this, because I want you to think about this. It's on the road to the cross where God demonstrated the greatest thing he could demonstrate to us, and that was what? Love, right? How often do we go around telling people we love them? How often do you say, I love you to your children, parents? How often do you say, I love you to your spouse? How often do you say, I love you to a family member or a good friend? Maybe it's just this morning. I just got a text this morning. Hey, good morning. How you doing? See you at church soon. Love you, bro. Got one this morning. I was reminded that I was loved. Said that as I left the house this morning. Maybe it's part of the farewell you tossed out to somebody that you, when you left around this morning or yesterday, somebody took off on a vacation. However it happens, you recognize that these words are not just the only evidence of your love, right? If we think this right here, what we say, is good enough on love, we're wrong. Kids understand that proclamation is backed up by demonstration. Let me say that again. Children, kids understand that proclamation is backed up by demonstration. What I mean is when we say I love you, they get it when they see it. We can say I love you all we want. Matter of fact, in my house when I grew up, we didn't say I love you. Because my mom and dad were like, well, you, you see it, right? We cook food for you. We, we buy clothes for you. We take care of you. We got shelter. Do I really need to tell you I love you? But as I got older, we say I love you all the time now. We let our proclamation and our demonstration back each other up. I love you is expressed in extending grace where it isn't deserved, right? I love you is expressed when we clean up the mess for our kids when they can't clean it up on their own, or maybe they can clean up on their own, but we said, I'm going to help you clean up. Or you give them something expecting nothing in return. That's love. We understand love through action, and thankfully, God isn't just about talk. For God so loved the world that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. I left something out, didn't I? For God so loved the world that whoever believes on him will not perish but have everlasting life. What am I leaving out? What is it? He gave. For God so loved proclamation that he gave demonstration. You hear what I'm saying? He lovingly provides our needs and lends us wisdom and direction every day, but the real evidence of love came at Calvary, at the cross. That was the real demonstration of love. When God laid everything on the line to demonstrate his love, while we are still sinners, Christ died for us, Paul said. Satan wants to draw us away from the reality of God's love. Do you know that? It's the oldest trick in the book. Getting humans to doubt the truth that God loves them. The reality of God's love is that we face a world that can often feel very unloving. Right? King of this universe loves us and he demonstrates it on the cross. Let me hear you say he's alive. Turn in your Bibles to John chapter 20. I'm glad. I looked, at, I looked up when you said that. I saw somebody smile. That, you better say it with a smile on your face. He's alive. He is so alive. John chapter 20. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. It's the fourth book in the New Testament. John chapter 20. We have the account of the resurrection. Let's read this this morning. Sort of like Christmas, we read Luke 2, right? It's Easter. Let's read the account. Early Sunday morning, John chapter 20, verse 1. Early Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran and she found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. 
She said, they've taken the Lord's body out of the tomb, but I don't know where they put him. Peter and the other disciple ran to the tomb to see. The other disciple outran Peter, who got there first. And by the way, you know, this is John writing about himself right now. Did you know that? little boast. The other disciple ah, outran Peter. Verse 5. He stooped and he looked in and he saw the linen cloth lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings lying there, while the cloth that had covered Jesus had, was folded up and lying on the side. Then the other disciple also went in, and he saw and believed. For until then, they had only realized that the scriptures said he would rise from the dead. And then they went home. Well, Mary standing outside the tomb, crying as she wept. She stooped, she looked in. She saw two white-robed angels sitting in the head and the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Why are you crying, the angels asked her. Because they've taken away my Lord, she replied. And I don't know where they put him. She glanced over her shoulder and she saw someone standing behind her. It was Jesus. Listen, but she didn't recognize him. Why are you crying, Jesus asked her. Who are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you've taken him away, tell me where you put him. I'll go and get him. Mary. One word, right? Mary, Jesus said. She turned toward him and exclaimed, Teacher, don't cling to me, Jesus said, for I haven't yet ascended to the Father. But go find my brothers and tell them I'm ascending to my Father and your Father, my God, your God. Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, I've seen the Lord. She gave them his message. Then that evening, on the first day of the week, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were still afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. And as he spoke, he held out his hands for them to see, and he showed them his side. And they were filled with joy when they saw their Lord. He spoke to them again and said, Peace be with you. As the Lord has sent me, I send you. Then he breathed on them and he said to this, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they're forgiven. If you refuse to forgive them, they're unforgiven. One of the disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. And they told him, We've seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands, put my finger into them, and place my hand into the wound on his side. Eight days later, later the disciples were together again. This time, Thomas was with them. The doors were locked. But suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing there with them, and he said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands? Put your hand into my wound on my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. My Lord, my God, Thomas explained, exclaimed. Then Jesus told him, You believe because you've seen me. Blessed are those who haven't seen and believe in me anyway. Church, this is you. This is you. Listen. Blessed are those who haven't seen Jesus, but believe anyway. Blessed are you. You've not seen the risen Savior face to face, but yet you believe. Blessed are you, Jesus says. Jesus' disciples saw him do many other miraculous signs besides the ones recorded in this book. But these are written so you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and by believing in him, you will have life. Love, 
demonstrated. The road to the cross didn't end at the cross. It's just an abrupt stop. Look at the demonstration of God's love, but the journey continues. His resurrection gives us more to do, more to become. Jesus is alive, amen? And we understand, and we must never underestimate, the importance of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Church, listen to me. The world believes that Jesus died, but the world does not believe that Jesus rose from the dead. Only Christians do. A lot of people won't argue with you. Yep, there was a Jesus. Yep, and he died on the cross. But this is where people stop believing. People are like, no, he's still dead. He didn't rise from the dead. But Christians, we believe that he came back from the dead. It says so. We believe that. We see evidence of it. Incredible evidence of it. We must celebrate this day, Easter, with enthusiasm, with joy, with hope, with love. This is not just a holiday about candy, people. This is not just uh, another day of family get together and have some, you know, deviled eggs or something, okay? This is not just a day when people are traveling, getting back from spring break or going off on another trip. This is not those kind of days. This is about truth, that Jesus is alive. This is the crux of our faith as Christians. Without it, we have nothing the resurrection of Jesus Christ proves so many things. His resurrection proves that Jesus is God's son. You have people coming up to your door. They're all dressed up to tell you about a religion that they believe in. And they'll tell you about Jesus, but Jesus was a prophet. He wasn't God's son. Those people that stand at your door trying to make you believe, they're liars. Huge liars. And for them to proclaim that Jesus is not God's son is blasphemy. And yet they go around all of our neighborhoods all the time. Let me tell you, what are we as Christians doing? Are we going around like they do? Our Savior lives. He is the Son of God. Long before the cross, He said, The Father loves me. Listen, the Father loves me because I sacrificed my life so I can take it back up again. No one can take my life from me, Jesus said. I sacrifice it voluntarily. I have the authority, Jesus said, to lay it down and to pick it back up again. That's what my Father has commanded. See, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then those words are false. He isn't God's Son. His resurrection proves the truth of Scripture, both in the Old Testament and the teachings of Jesus. David said in Psalm 16, he said this, For you will not leave my soul among the dead, or you will not allow the Holy One, Jesus, to rot in the grave. Now, had Jesus stayed in the grave, David's words are false. We can't even read the Psalms anymore. His resurrection gives power for Christian living. Here's the thing. We can't live for God on our own strength, right? I don't know how people try to do it. I really don't. It's because his resurrection power works in us. He breathed on the disciples when they came, when he came back. He breathed his spirit upon us. The only power Satan has in us is what we give him. Did you realize that? He knows he's a defeated enemy. He knows he was crushed at the cross. He knows that the empty tomb of Christ defeated him. And our enemy, all he needs is his cooperation on our part to sustain any attack. Listen, church, don't give up. If we learn anything from the resurrection of Jesus Christ, don't give up. The resurrection proves that his strength is working through us. 
you know, maybe it's my athletic background as a player, as a coach or something, but there's something in me that just likes the word quit. I do not like the word quit. Of course, at one time or another in our lives, we've all had to face that word in choices we make. I wonder if I should quit this or not. There's always going to be difficult circumstances in our life that are going to cause us to say, maybe I should just quit. Maybe I shouldn't do this anymore. The world makes that choice so easy, doesn't it? The world says, hey, if you don't like it, just quit. And so what do we do? We quit all over the place. We quit on marriage. We quit on relationships. We quit on our jobs. We quit in school. We quit in sport. We quit in our hobbies. We quit all the time. We quit on church. I love the story of the earthquake that took place in Turkey a few years ago. I share this story all the time. If you've been to a wedding or maybe I've done your wedding ceremony and you've heard this story, it's like, oh, here comes that story again. It's my favorite story. And, I mean, it's a, true, it's a true story. When there was an earthquake in Turkey a few years back and things were just demolished and there was a father looking for his son, Armando, and Armando was at school that day and the, the school collapsed and Armando's father went to the school to find his son and he went there and he was, he was picking up cylinders of block and, and moving it, trying to undo all that rubble to try to find his son underneath. And people kept walking by saying, just quit. Why try? Just, what's it worth, really? I mean, why don't you just walk away and quit? They kept saying it over and over and over and over. And finally, Armando's father stopped and he looked at the people and he said, join me or leave me alone. Join me or leave me alone. And he went back at it. So many times people are whispering, just quit, just quit. You know, don't you want to just look at them and just say, be quiet. Either you join me or leave me alone, but I'm not quitting. Those are the kind of people you want around you that cheer you on, not that tell you to quit. With Christ in me, I choose not to quit. See, I'm saddened by so many people who quit church because they didn't get their way. They didn't like something about church. So they just quit. Really? I'm frustrated with athletes who whine about they don't like their coach. Oh, I don't like how the team plays. Really? You get to play. You get to run. You get to breathe. God's blessed you. I get tired of students complaining how hard it is at school. I get it. I get it. Life is tough. Life is difficult. All we need to do is look at a Savior that went to the cross for us. He'll tell you how difficult it was. And did he quit? Yes or no? No, he didn't. He went all the way to the cross. He finished the job. He never quit on us. With Christ in me, with Christ in you, let's choose not to quit. In our dark moments when we're losing hope, remember that Christ never quit on us. The tomb is empty. The cross is bare. He's not there anymore. You know where he is? He stands with us. He stands by our side. Because it's Christ's power within us. He says, I didn't quit. I'm with you. I'm going to help you so you don't quit either. Let's do this. We can only say that today because it's his resurrection Sunday. And he is alive. Amen? Probably today what I love most about the resurrection is this. I'm reminded that my father is alive. My dad's alive. I get to proclaim that. And all of you who have loved ones that have lost, because of Jesus Christ's death and resurrection, they are alive. His resurrection assures our own future resurrection. Because Jesus died and rose again, we shall one day be raised to be like him. Paul said in 1 Thessalonians, listen, now, brothers and sisters, 
We want you to know what's going to happen to believers who died so you won't grieve like people who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. We tell you this directly, Paul says this, we tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still alive when the Lord returns will meet him ahead of those who have died. The Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God. First the believers who have died rise from the graves. Then together with them, we who are alive will remain on earth, will be caught up in the clouds, meet the Lord in the air. We'll be with the Lord forever. So encourage each other with these words, Paul says. The entire structure of our Christian faith rests on the resurrection, the foundation of the resurrection. If we do away with the resurrection, we have no hope. We have no hope. Listen very carefully to this sentence. Because we have a living hope, we can experience hopeful living. Let me say it again. Because we have a living hope, we can experience hopeful living. Because Jesus Christ is alive, we have a glorious future. Heaven is for real. Heaven is for real. Jesus is preparing a place for me. He's preparing a place for you. John, in the book of John, chapter 14, Jesus said this, Don't let your hearts be troubled. I, their disciples are getting a little depressed, right? He says, Trust in God. Trust also in me. There's more than enough room in my Father's home. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going to prepare a place for you. When everything's ready, I'll come and get you, and you'll be always with me. Did you hear that? Jesus said, I'm preparing a place for you. Heaven's for real. And see, that's all part of the resurrection. I'm going there. And someday you're going to be there too. Without the resurrection, we have no future hope. Easter, Resurrection Sunday, the day we recognize God's love, God's sacrifice, God's grace, God's forgiveness, God's power. He is alive. He's alive. Road to the cross. Brief stop at the cross and at the tomb. Then it made a turn. And our journey continues. Jesus is alive, and he is with us. He's with us today. And for those of you who have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, he's living in you giving you the strength you need so you don't have to quit. Giving you hope you need so you have a glorious, hopeful living ahead of you. He's with you, reminding you there's a future. A future out of this world. Would you please stand? If you're here this morning and maybe, you, maybe you know, you've heard this story over and over, it's like, I know, I know, I get it, I get it. I placed my faith in Jesus. That's, that's good, but you know what? There might be somebody this morning that hasn't. Or maybe you're sitting there, you know what? I'm going to be eating lunch with somebody today at a family reunion that hasn't. Today, as you are leaving this place and going to the next place and your family, remind them what Easter's about. Jesus is alive. His resurrection is real. We have a hope. We have a future. We have faith that we need to share with others. That's the wonderful thing about Christianity, that after the resurrection, guess what happened? The disciples went out and made more disciples. This is just the beginning of our journey. I'm so looking forward to the next month of the sermon series we're going to have. I'm thoroughly pumped about it, okay? I really am. 
excited to tell you how we're going to do this and making disciples and share it more. But today, let's go proclaim the good news. Jesus is alive. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what an awesome God you are. What an amazing God you are. You say, for God so loved the world that we just place our faith in you. You say, I love you so much, I'm giving my son to you. And Jesus Christ, your son, came to this earth. And we, we read about the journey to the cross, all the stuff that went on. God, thank you that it did not end at the cross and the tomb. Thank you for the resurrection power displayed, conquering death and sin. Because of you, because you're alive, we can place our faith in you. We have hope for tomorrow. Those who are no longer here that have placed their faith in you, they're in your presence right now. No more pain, no more tears, no more sorrow, no more cancer, no more broken bones, no more weeping, no more Kleenexes to wipe the tears, no more wheelchairs, no more hospital beds. It's a risen Savior. Oh, to be in your presence. You give us that hope. All we have around us now, it's going to be gone someday. What matters now is our relationship with you, God. So I pray right now in this room, if there's somebody here this morning, they've never placed their faith in you. They've never asked for forgiveness. They've never bowed their knee and said, I trust you, God. I place my faith in you. And they pray that this morning as we sing this song, as we worship you with, with hope and joy. Lord, I pray that you continue to move in our hearts. Thank you, God. We love you. We sing to you now. In the name we pray. Amen. Amen.